Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more month than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome Lauren Johnson. Lauren is an athlete turned mental conditioning coach and also a speaker who received her master's degree in performance psychology from National University. Prior to opening her own consulting practice, Lauren served as the mental conditioning coordinator for the New York Yankees, where she was responsible for aiding in the development of athletes and staff through education, application, and support. Lauren now trains professional athletes, military personnel, and business professionals through national speaking engagements, educational training workshops, and consulting. From the playing field to the boardroom, Lauren helps elite performers develop mental toughness so they can be their best regardless of circumstance. Her practical, straightforward advice and performance strategies provide tangible results and skills that help individuals push through the inevitable challenges life throws at us. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Lauren. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be a part of this. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm I'm stoked. I'm looking forward to this too. As we were talking about prior when I was going through and prepping, I, you know, and for the listeners, I had had the pleasure, I've had the pleasure, pardon me, of getting to know you somewhat through a brand intervention course that we took through David Breyer. So the more I've learned about you and listened to other interviews, like, and communications about you, it's gotten me even more excited to learn more because I'm a little bit different in how I approach my podcast. And one of the things that really stokes me about people, and some don't care, but I like understanding people's origin story and where they begin from their earliest recollections all the way up to where they are today, because really we're a combination of our learned experiences, good, bad, and ugly from when we're a child. And we don't give it enough credit for, again, the good, bad, and ugly. And lots of times when people actually communicate about their origin, it's, it's actually really good. It may have been a negative experience, but it pivoted in a certain positive way. So learn do me a favor, tell me your origin story and what key things from your childhood to adulthood that led you to where you're at currently? Oh, this is such a good question. And I totally agree. Um, because a lot of times when I'm working with athletes or, you know, CEOs, entrepreneurs, a lot of times we can trace things back to their origin story. So I love that you're asking this to start. Um, I mean, man, I, I grew up in Southern California, fell in love with soccer at a really young age. And I was an athlete, you know, my, my whole life played soccer all through college, but it was in, in high school, my best friend, she lived 11 houses down from me. 
I mean, we did everything together. We, our parent, our, our moms are best friends. Um, we are, we all, we have both only had brothers. So we like, we're kind of tomboys growing up, you know, our brothers wanted skateboards. So we got skateboards. Our brothers wanted BMX bikes. So we got BMX bikes. Like that's kind of how it went. And we both share a love for soccer. And on May 25th, 2005, it was a late start day in high school. And so it just means that the day started later than usual. And because she only lived 11 houses down from me, we would usually have breakfast on the mornings of late start days. So I called her this morning and she wasn't answering, but suddenly I got this like, you know, a call waiting and it was my mom on the other end. And so I was just waiting for Amber to answer. And then she wasn't. So I decided, oh, okay, I'll just click over to my mom because she's not answering for whatever reason. I click over to my mom and she said, Lauren, something's wrong with Amber. And it was one of those things that like immediately, like your body kind of goes numb. You know, something is wrong, especially for my mom to say that. And I said, what's, what's wrong? She's like, I don't know. Annette just called me hysterical, which was her mom. She said, whatever you do, Lauren, please just do not go down to their house. And I was like, okay, okay, I, I won't. So she goes, I'll call you back as soon as I know more. So she, I hang up the phone and that waiting time between the first conversation I had with my mom and the next one felt like hours had gone by. And then suddenly I received the call from my mom that no one should ever receive. I wish this on nobody. And she said, Lauren, Amber took her own life. And she said, she's no longer with us, Lauren. And I just remember in that moment, like literally not even knowing what to do with my body. I literally just dropped to the floor and sobbed, like sobbed. I was screaming. I was like, what do I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was home alone. So much that my neighbor heard me and ran over. And we just sat there sobbing on the floor. And it was one of those moments and it that changed the rest of my life. You know, in a lot of ways, you know, I, I, I would do anything I should say to take her back, anything. But in that moment, I was given a gift. And the gift I was given is the true meaning of life and what matters the most. And at the young age of 15, I learned that relationships were most important in life. And for that, I am so grateful and so thankful because it plays a huge role in what I do currently and how I live my life every single day. Wow. That is, that is, uh, there's so much commonality between us. Um, I didn't have that happen to me at that young of an age, but I had a friend of mine commit suicide. Um, I was around 19. So and I would, same thing, I'd give anything for him to be back. He was a jovial person. I can still, this many years later, still hear his voice. I can still hear his laugh and the way he used to 
recognize when I'd walk into a room or he'd open my car door to get in. And he was just, you know, at that age, I had no clue the pain he was going through. And that was a trauma for me and changed my life. It actually was a driving force to me not going back to my local community anymore. I thought about it moving back. I'd gone away to go to college, but I could feel your pain. Holy, I could feel your pain. I can also feel your relief and your gratitude, which is really, I really appreciate that because most people don't realize that relationships are key. And every time you leave somebody angry, you don't know if you're going to see them again to apologize, whether it's them apologizing, you apologizing, relationships are a give and take, as you know, so it could, a lot of times it's some of our own fault as well. And I've had that happen. And I remember the last time I seen my friend, and he was angry with me. And we never had a good conversation ever again. So it, it yeah, when I think back on it, I haven't shared that with anybody with the way he committed his and lost his life. I won't even get into the details, but I really, I guess that when I look back at my origin, that was a trigger for me too, to realize how important people are and more importantly than things. So that's, I really appreciate you sharing that. That was very detailed and I can st still see that it's part of what you've become and how you've molded your yourself, your personality. So that's fantastic. I appreciate you sharing that. So Lauren, you were an athlete that became a mental conditioning coach. What happened to make this transformational life change come about? It was my fifth game into my senior year and I played soccer in college and I had just come back from, I had just come back from a really bad concussion, my fourth. And I go up for a header in this game, head the ball, but like fall to the ground. And I knew I had just gotten another concussion, except this time it was off of something that's so common in the game, which is just heading the ball. I mean, granted it was a well, well struck ball that I, that I headed out of the way, but I came off the field and met the neurologist and he's like, Lauren, do you want to remember your name when you're 40? And I mean, that question just struck me. And I was like, yeah. He said, then I don't suggest you continue playing. He said, the next concussion I can't guarantee won't be permanent. So I had to make a really hard decision did I want to put myself at risk every day or was I going to give up the sport that I loved? And that was a part of my identity. And I obviously had to make the hard decision that my health was more important. And I was really lucky. I played um, for a small school. And so I, they, they kept me on the roster. I still traveled with the team. I still showed up to all the practices my role just changed. I was no longer on the field. I was now on the bench. And I decided to take an elective course because to be honest with you, like, although I couldn't imagine having it any other way and still being a part of the team, I was still kind of bored. I felt like almost like purposeless on the bench. 
So I decided to take an extra, another course and um, in sports psychology. I had never heard of it before, but I was like, this is interesting. Let's try it. So I signed up for this course and just completely fall in love with it. It was as if somebody held up a mirror to me and pointed out all the things I needed to work on. And when people ask me, Lauren, why, why do you do what you do? Like, why do you love it so much? It's because I was the person that needed it. I was the person that constantly limited myself, got in my own way, had to be perfect or I was shit. Like all of these things, like I was so hard on myself that I was the person that needed it the most. I was a really hard worker. I would often put myself through two days. I was not a partier in college because I cared so much about, about soccer. I would often go to the gym on Saturdays and on my way home from the gym, I would pick up people from parties. That's what, that was my college experience. And so for me, I tried to solve feeling less than with work. And yeah, to some degree, it made me really good, but it was also the very thing that limited me because I could have all the ability in the world, but if I wasn't going to take care of the mental side, it was going to limit me to some degree. Oh, definitely. And so I fell in love with it. And I thought to myself, what kind of athlete would you have been if you would have known this? And then I thought, how many people can I help now that I do? And that's what really led me to where I am now. And I completely, that after I took that course, I went and got my master's degree and just it, every class, everything that I learned just solidified, I'm doing what I meant to do. So you would agree then where every door closes and other opens is it's pretty simplistic saying, but it's so true. And the other ironic part of this to be successful in a role in mental performance, the most important piece is not your knowledge, is not your degrees, it's your relationships. And that has been the biggest value to me, especially since Amber passed away. And so I carry that value with me, with every client, with every speaking engagement, with every one-on-one, -on -one, with everything. The relationship matters most. If you don't have a relationship, it will impact your ability to do what you do in this role. And so I don't, I don't take that lightly. I believe that it all of that kind of happened for a reason. Well, I think in a lot of psychology, at least experiences I've had, because again, the listeners, five kids raising them, there was a few times that was in counseling offices and I think that people just don't understand that you don't want to be a transaction, even if you're being helped to your own mental processes. And I felt many times from young children all to all the way to adulthood for many of them, I could tell when you sat in an office with somebody and they were trying to help you between your six inches, whether or not it was a transaction or they honestly cared. And the end result was the transactional change of you to their guidance of your pain, be able to expel it or at least accept it, right? Yeah. Because I don't think we can ever truly get rid of, like I can even feel, you know, your anguish and pain from your friend Amber passing away. It's going to be carried with you the rest of your life, but you've learned to build on it and create an amazing career because of that one catalyst 
including you hitting the ball and all the different people you've had in your life. You've had some pretty compassionate people, a coach telling you something like that, that would be tough to tell somebody that young, listen, do you want to be able to still, you know, know your name at 40? So you've been through quite a, uh, quite a bit of uh, challenges, but the thing that resonates the most, because that's exactly where I belong and have been for years is number one relationships, right? As I mentioned to you before we started recording, uh, for me, when I build a relationship with somebody and they build it with me, because that's the perfect relationship is a synergy, you know, it's for life. And you may not talk to, I have people I don't talk to for a year. I might see a comment in social media or a random messenger, like a DM or a, or a text. And it, it, I don't think that they're not my friend. I think that they're on a journey and path to continue to serve and help others. And we already are solid enough that I don't have to feel insecure about it. And that's the type of relationship I want, even with my clients. Right. You know, two years, some of them it's been since, especially because of the pandemic, you know, in between doing reviews. And when we sit down, we're talking about family. We're talking about what did you do? We're talking, you know, and then toward the end of the meeting, oh yeah, I guess we should talk about some business. Let's go through your numbers. Let's see what, <laughs> let's see where you're at. Are you still on track <laughs> with your goals? And I've had to rebook because, you know, I've, I love relationships. I've been invited to clients, weddings, birthday parties. I've been invited to like their own kids' weddings, their own, you know, remarriages. And it's just, that's the type of life I want. I want to right. be on my deathbed going, wow, I had so many people impact my life and I was blessed to impact others. Right. So I really appreciate that. That was that I had five concussions. So. Wow. Listeners, I've had my, more sense then, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, wow. My uh, listeners, my kids, my one daughter has had five concussions. My son has had four concussions. And I noticed it, noticed behavioral changes and uh, acuity and just it, the way they handled their lives as they were continuing to get the concussions. So the reason I bring this up is I'm so tired of hearing from adults, oh, they're young, they'll get over it, they'll heal. And it's not just about the concussions, it's other physical traumas they go through. And I think I really keyed on the fact where you said that, you know, you were the person that was in the gym, even on a Saturday, and you'd be picking people up that were partying. And even that is healthy and unhealthy. You had a stick to you had a guiding force, but you also didn't really enjoy life and if your relationships would have been different you would have and I yep. don't I'm not criticizing you at all because I've been there I used to be the DD I used to designate drive for all my friends to get drunk right it, no but and, I agree with you right and it, it relation, relationships could have changed us all for us and I think if we educated our parents not to say stupid things like oh you'll be fine suck it up heal you or get out there and play I see how many kids that have been damaged in in soccer, all my kids played soccer too, not to the level of you, but you know, one of my daughters got really injured bad in soccer and they wanted her to go back out in the field and play. And I was like, hell to the no. Are you kidding me? No. Oh, they're young. They'll be okay. No, they won't be. Look at all the adults in their thirties and forties and fifties. Now that are wishing that their parents would have stuck up to their coaches. You right. were lucky. You had a coach that actually cared. And it's unfortunate yeah. you've had more concussions since, but you having concussions, you know what that feeling's like. I've had a couple in my life, but not that many. 
Yeah. And I have to say the, the ones I've gotten after that were really minor, really, really minor. So I'm, I'm much more careful. It's just, once you get a few, like you're, you get, you become very prone to getting more. So I, I can get a concussion off of a normal fall where somebody else wouldn't. And it's just because I've had, I've had so many now. So I just have to be really careful, which I am. Um, but I do know about myself as I'm kind of a daredevil in that way. So like, if I, if I, my worst concussion was actually snowboarding, but if I master snowboarding, <laughs> I'm, if I master something, I want to like level up, like what's next, what's next. And I have a little bit of this like daredevil complex in me where I like think I'm like invincible, you know, when you're like five and you think you can't get hurt, that's like, yeah. sometimes I still tune into like that five-year-old and it can be dangerous for me. So, uh, so I now love I can make sure that I'm like in reality, like, no, Lauren, you're not Sean White. I'm like, okay, maybe you're right. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a dare. I'm a daredevil, but I've tried not to be. That's why when we were at, uh, um, was that one of my last events here and we raced we actually went to radford racing outside of tucson and you're racing 700 horsepower cars i hadn't been inside of a race car since 1999 when i flew off of a mountain and crashed into a tree we were doing they figure based on the calculations we hit the tree tree at about 30 g and we literally went from 90 to zero like that right we literally went off the side of a mountain i was i was a rally it drove in rally cars the reason i bring that up is because it was i stayed away at, from something i really enjoyed and then you know we literally look at it 30 years later i literally was sitting in a car here last month train drivers right teaching us very very safe but the first few moments when i got into that car my anxiety triggers, my chest was tight. I was, my bald head was sweating. I was just like, what? This has been like 30 years, like get over it. But you know, it's just, it's the things that we have happened in our lives. Those little traumas that we need to accept and get over them. But I don't think you're ever going to stop being a person that likes risk. I still like it. I no. realize how much I still like that when I'm in a 700 horsepower car behind the wheel and I'm on the track. I, yeah. You know, I no, realized. I mean, I'd be, I'd, I'm afraid of be getting in a car like that fast because I'm afraid of how fast I'll want to go. I like, don't trust myself on thing, things like that. Yeah. Well, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. We had, uh, there, how many ended up being there with us? 40. I think there was 40 of us because some had their spouses. Um, and, and then we had the, the, the conferences I go to is with a 365 driven advance there. They're not retreats. They're meant to design to be uh, an advancement. So we only spend one day as speakers and the rest of the time is usually always hanging out with all the speakers that he brings in. Their commitment is they have to hang out to the whole event. So they're hanging out with us. We get to sit and visit with them. And, and I got to share with some of them my fears of, of what I was going to go through and it, just building those relationships to me is just it's unfathomable. Even if I ever, never, ever gotten to a 700 horsepower car, it was, it all goes back to that relationship. But then we also have a relationship with our ability to want risk and that, that mm -hmm. adrenaline pump, right? I have a relationship with that. And I had shelved it for 30 years. And now I don't know if I can keep it shelved anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to see, but yeah, you know, snowboarding, that would be a trip, but I can't imagine 
you could easily yeah damage yourself in your head <laughs> because even with a oh, helmet it's I, not just I wasn't wearing a helmet either and I went off of a jump that was way too big for me way too advanced for me hit the lip funny was like 15 feet in the air horizontal landed on my side whipped my head back on ice and it was just yeah it was bad now granted I wear a helmet now. I don't go off jumps like that. Uh, I'm, I'm very in my reality of like where my skill level is. And it's not that, although I work with a pretty epic snowboarder that does insane tricks, like biggest jumps you'll, I mean, I've ever seen yeah. like she's, you know, qualified or have been an Olympic qualifier. She's amazing. So I, I get, uh, my adrenaline rush through watching her. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll just stand back while you, you know, do all that dangerous stuff and live vicariously through you. <laughs> yes, I've been there. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. One of the things you did mention, though, too, and a lot of people don't realize concussions don't happen just from head impact. They can happen from jarring of your neck and your body. Once your head's been damaged, it's like extremely sensitive to re-injury. So I'm glad you're here. I'm me too you're... me too <laughs> that's good because this wouldn't be a very good podcast if you weren't here no. <laughs> it... No. yeah it would be it'd be a rough one <laughs> yeah it, well it could be interesting so lauren what's it like in heaven or or if you're not somebody that believes in heaven hey lauren what's it like you know out in the netherworld <laughs> that would be that really a... i wonder if that would be a global podcast <laughs> <laughs> so you went to I, I like asking people this question and I get the most interesting um, answers. You went to school and received a master's degree in performance psychology. Were there any doubts once you graduated that this is the field you still wanted to pursue? Oh yeah, um, absolutely. So when I graduated, um, I had two job offers on the line, which is like a grad student's dream. So I had these two job offers and um, I decided to take one and turn down the other. But the only catch about the one I took was it was going to take six months for me to be placed. And it was very normal for this position. I knew other people that were in the same boat as I was. So I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'll do that. I was like, for me, all right, cool. I get another six months before I like enter the real world. Sweet. So six months goes by and I don't hear anything. And I'm seeing my friends being placed in their positions. And so I reach out and I said like, hey, just checking in to see if, um, you know, when I'm gonna be placed. And I receive an email in return that said, we're sorry, the job is no longer available. Wow. So six months ago, I was on cloud nine with two offers. Six months later, I had none. I can't go back and take the other job. They've already filled the position. And with this one, like what, I don't know. I have no idea what happened. There was no explanation. Wouldn't give me one, just it's not available. So I'm in a really crappy position. So I call everybody I knew in the field. And at the time, now we have a lot more opportunity, but at the time, if you don't have five years experience, there's like little to no jobs that you could get in the field of sports psychology. And so I called everybody, nothing was available. And I kept hearing the same thing, Lauren, you just need experience. You need experience. So I was so frustrated. There was nothing available. I tried everything. 
So I decided I needed to make money somehow. So I got a job at Starbucks and I'm working at Starbucks day in and day out. I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. I'm so frustrated. I feel like I'm totally at this dead end until there was one day that completely changed my life. I was working in the drive-thru at Starbucks and this, this gentleman is waiting for his drink to be made. And now when you're working the drive-thru, like there's somebody that makes the drinks and there's somebody that just uh, addresses the customer and keeps them entertained while their drinks being made. So that was my job. So I'm here, I'm sitting here, I'm chatting it up with this guy. And he asked me, um, so are you in school? Which was a fair question because most people were. I said, no, actually I just graduated. And he's like, great, what did you graduate with? And I proudly told him, oh, I graduated with a degree in performance psychology. And he just starts laughing, like full on belly laughing. And I had to wait till he like caught his breath to finally ask him like, now Dwight, you know me, I'm really direct. And so I had no problem asking him. I said, excuse me, what's so funny? And he goes, oh, <laughs> you got one of those degrees you'll never use. Wow. And I mean, my, my mouth just dropped open. I couldn't believe this guy said this to me. And at the same, and in the same breath, it pissed me off. Like I wanted to jump out the window and I I'll have, you know, I did not, but <laughs> I had somebody else hand him his drink. I couldn't even give it to him. I had to walk away and I was so pissed. And you know how, you know, you, we've all been in that position, right? If you've ever ruminated about something, somebody said something, you got to you got a terrible review or somebody made a comment that triggered something. And it's the only thing that plays in your head that whole day. So it plays time and time again. And so what he was saying, it kept replaying and I kept ruminating and ruminating. And every time I thought about it, I got more pissed. I got more upset. And then I got upset because I was upset. I was like, why are you so mad? This, you don't even know this guy. This guy doesn't even know you. Why is his opinion carrying so much weight right now? And that's when I realized I wasn't mad because he was rude. I was mad because he was right. You're not gonna get really far if you turn around at your first sign of adversity. And I quite literally got the degree that teaches people how to overcome obstacles, how to deal with adversities, how to manage difficult circumstances. And here I am just turning my back to my dream because it's difficult and because it didn't go the way that I had planned. And so that was the day I had to look myself in the mirror and be real honest with myself. And I, and I literally like looked at myself and was like, if you, how are you gonna be the best mental coach in the world if you can't even take your own advice? And so that was the day I Googled how to start your own consulting company. And I started my own consulting company and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I was doing. I it was like literally every day it was a learning experience for me. And I cold called a ton of people. I reached out to a ton of people on LinkedIn and I get a lot of no's, a lot of just ignores. And every once in a while I got a yes. And I knew if I could just get in front of these people, they're going to want to hire me. And after a year's time, I bought myself out of working at Starbucks. And that's when I got the opportunity to interview with the Yankees and I got the job. That's awesome.
What a what an amazing story. I've heard a little bits of that before and and some of our um other things that I've again listened to where you've been interviewed and also in our brand course. So it's nice to hear all the things that I was wondering about. And that's why I put that question and I wanted to know how it flowed. And you talked about the adversity of life and really you learned all this stuff and then you were going through it. And I can resonate with that. I myself you know, this is my feeling how I felt. I felt hypocritical in my own life. I was out coaching and teaching people for years and how to live life on purpose and not feel like they were on that hamster wheel of life. Yet I was behind the scenes. If people open up the door of my facade, I was living it. I was in a point in time in my life where I was living in it. And I've, and in the last 19 years, I've gone like a roller coaster. I've had points where I'm not living it, then I'm living it. Even though I know the, the reality of the relationship with what I do and that it works, I still get sucked back into certain bad habits, I guess, like an Ed Sheeran would say, right? I end up getting a little bit stuck in my life and having to realize that I need to push forward. So it was, it's nice to hear that, you know, that that person was a catalyst for you. The words that were hurtful, but you had, once you realized it was truthful, that began your journey to, like you said, like buying yourself out from Starbucks, but by Starbucks. Now I'm on my journey. And I think when we become like that, we extrude an energy to the universe. I honestly believe in that. I don't, I don't believe in the secret in the sense that you can talk things into um, fruition. I don't believe in that. I believe we can talk ourselves into having a more positive outlook. Thus, our work or our communication with people, even in writing, comes across more positive. And then we attract what we deserve, right? So if you're getting negative listeners, maybe that's what you're giving out to the universe and the universe figures that's what you deserve. So, you know, there's never too late to change. Look what Lauren has gone through just in the in a short period of time of us communicating, wow, what a roller coaster ride. And look where you are today. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm proud of you. That's just awesome. You. You're welcome. Thank you. And I and I think I just want to make this point because I think that we've we've all fallen into this before. It's rare that somebody's opinion will hurt you or make a really important impact on you if there isn't some part you believe or some part that isn't true. It's rare. So for me now, when somebody gives an opinion and it hurts, I look at, I try to find the truth. Is there truth in this or is this an insecurity of mine? I try to label what it is because I've realized that rarely opinions of others, they rarely hurt unless there's either some truth or there's something in it that is revealing of an insecurity of mine. So it really has become almost a, a data point that I've chosen to interpret for my own good, whether or not I agree with the opinion, whether or not I like the opinion, I always find that there's a couple things there. There's some consistencies with an insecurity or some truth that it, maybe I'm not willing to look at myself. Yeah, that, that makes so, so much sense. You're right though. People's opinions of us don't have to become a reality, but if we, find ourselves like myself, I've over the years, identified specific body triggers, and how it, it makes it so I can understand my mental, your physical and mental as you know, are tied together. So I get that I, if somebody says something to me, and I have more than one of my triggers go off, 
I may not like how they're presenting it because it's not always what we say, it's how we say it. And most right. people in society say things, they're just dumbasses the way they say it. They're very rude. They don't know how to deliver. They're not wordsmithing things to get their point across. But if I have a couple triggers go off, then it's harsh reality that, like you said, there, there's something there. There's something yeah. I need to deal with. Maybe their message was wrong or how they delivered it, but how I reacted to it is still an indication that I need to work on the six inches between my ears. So I appreciate you saying that. Is this a truth and a reality of what we're going through? So yeah, you've, you've had lots of different experiences and so have I, but it's nice to know that you and I are still continuing to level up so that we can go serve others. Because that's another thing that irritates me so bad is people say, well, one person can't make a difference. Health, health, there's, that's not true, right? We all have opportunities to level up and change. We just have to have one person back to that word, like you said, relationship, that's willing to build a relationship, help us learn how to hydroplane on the shit of life and, you know, not be down in the valley of despair as much as we've been in our lives, because I don't think... You and I, no matter how much, even with your schooling and your experience, you've admitted it. You still have struggles. Of course. Right. And the most important relationship is the one with yourself. The most important one is the one relationship that you have with you. It's the number one relationship I work on. And most people don't, though. I, look up, yeah. Look and look and I was one of those people that made that mistake. I was one of those people and I would take everybody else's opinions. Everybody, it's like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying other opinions don't matter. I'm not saying that because I do think we all have blind spots. And so oh, I think of course. having people's opinions and feedback is so vital and so important to having an overarching like 360 of who you actually are and how you show up in the world. But sometimes we give too much weight to the opinions of others. Exactly. And there's a really important piece. And I ask everybody to think about this. You can never have the power to change someone's opinion of you. Everybody said, I've had people say, oh, but I've, I've been able to change their opinion. And I'm like, no, no, no. There's a difference between change and influence. Your actions may influence someone's opinions, but you've never been able to go into their little, their brain and change the way they think of you. That's under their, that's their decision not yours. And so you have no power to change somebody else's opinion of you, but you have all the power in the world to change your opinion of you. That's so true. And I so the question is, where are you spending your mental currency? Are you spending it on everybody else's opinions? Are you giving all of your mental currency away to everybody else? And if you are, my challenge to you would be to spend it on you, to spend it on the way you speak to yourself, the way that you think about yourself, your beliefs about yourself, where you spend your time. Because our beliefs equals our identity plus actions. So if you wanna change who you are, if you wanna become somebody different, let's say you don't like who you are right now, Hey, I, I, sh I should say, you know, if I could look back and look at myself in soccer, I didn't like how I spoke to myself. I spoke to myself really poorly. And so I want to be the type of person who speaks in a productive way. Doesn't always mean that it's like sunshine and roses, 
But even telling myself like, you're better than that, Lauren, that could be productive for me. So if I want to be the type of person who is speaking productive to myself, what actions do I have to do that support that? That may be like in the moment, in response to adversities, in response to mistakes, the way I interpret failures. It also could be, it, it doesn't have to be in response to anything. It could just be waking up, looking myself in the mirror and saying something I like about myself. And as you reinforce that identity and who you want to become, it solidifies a new belief about yourself. Yeah, that is so, so true. That's one way that we can kind of shift those belief systems is by acting in accordance with the belief that we want. And I know that I've been in that place where I've given, I've given my beliefs away to other people and I haven't taken control of them in my own life. And so you will never have the power to change anyone else's opinion of you, but you have all the power in the world to change your opinion of you. So stop giving it away to other people and start focusing on you. That is so true. Um... I, and I think about this all the time and how people, they just, they hang on the words of certain people that they put up on a soapbox and every word that person said, or has said to them or continues to say to them is like gospel. They're little automatons. They don't really have their own personalities. And those are the people I find that are caught on the hamster wheel of life. They just, everybody's opinion, they give up their energy constantly. And you talked about action and our beliefs. One of the things that I really, it simplified for me was something that one of my coaches, my mental friends, my mental conditioning uh, that I get through some of the masterminds, he talks about always just remember something as simple as ABC, action, belief, consistency. And when you were talking about that, I was thinking to myself, wow, one more person that, you know, I believe in that, you know, I look up to is saying the same thing. You have to have, what's your beliefs? And then are you taking actions to enforce that belief? And it mm -hmm. only happens through consistency. So I appreciate you bringing that up. It's just, it's nice to know that in my life, and you probably can, you know, confirm this as well that we attract others that have the same message. They just deliver it a different way, but it also confirms within our, our soul, our, our six inches that, you know what, we're finally getting the people in our lives that we deserve to have in our lives that are going to always help us. And so instead of having that roller coaster, we have just little blips and that's where I'm at in my life. So I, I'm blessed and highly favored to have you on my show. Right. Oh, and you just confirmed awesome. a whole bunch of thoughts that, that I've already known, but you confirmed them to me. So thank you. And listeners as well, especially my listeners that have been, my loyal listeners that have been listening consistently have heard me talk about that. So once again, listeners and people that are possibly watching this on YouTube, um, it just confirms you have to have proper conditioning and what you, who you associate with, who you allow to put thoughts into your head, what you're going to believe. And if you believe something firmly, take action. And if you can't do it on your own, because it's, sometimes it's tough, find somebody like Lauren or others to help you be accountable to yourself, right? To what you want and give you a, maybe a roadmap so that you can get to your destination quicker. And so many people try doing it on their own. It's not a weakness to seek out help. It's actually a strength. Right. I agree. So 
So you served for four years as a mental conditioning coordinator for the Yankees, where development of athletes and staff through education, application, and support. Can you step the listeners and I through some of the hills and valleys of what a position like that looks like? Mm, yes. So I should say this just to start is uh, I worked with an incredible team. I was not alone. I was a part of a six person team and we worked with, uh, you know, all of the teams within the Yankees. And so at the time we had, I believe it was eight teams It's changed since then. Um, I believe now that MLB has mandated that everybody have the same amount of teams. So um, it has changed. However, it, there's there's challenges like any, like any position, but I will say, you know, there's, there's a difference between, I've seen a big difference between consulting and being a part of a team. When I'm consulting, I have people come to me, you know, they're seeking my services where when you're a part of the team, it doesn't mean that they're not seeking your services, but it's very different. A lot of times it also comes down to being able to have the relationship good enough that you can go challenge those people because you know it's good for them. So um, at the Yankees, the, probably the most important thing, I remember my first year there, my director told me, he said, Lauren, I don't care if you do one session, one mental performance session. The only thing I want you to focus on is building relationships. And so that's what I did. I built tons of relationships and I just spent time asking like about their families, about their, you know, their spouses or, you know, their significant others. And um, you know, what do they like to do outside of baseball? Why do they want to do baseball? You know, and so you, you just build this really strong foundation so that when something does come up, they're coming and knocking on your door and they feel comfortable enough to do that. So I know that that was probably the, the biggest thing. I know that this is um, it's actually one of my favorite stories because this, this gentleman is actually one of my favorite people I ever got the chance to work with. And I should say that not everybody adopts mental performance right away. And that's totally okay. The worst thing that we can do is force it. It doesn't help anybody. Everybody suffers in that, in that scenario. And I'll give you an example. We had this player we drafted. He was young, a young draft player, right, right out of high school. And he was at spring training and he was throwing his, his first outing. And we had big people there. We had like our director of player development there. I'm pretty sure Brian Cashman stopped by, you know, we had, he, he's, he's throwing, he's pitching against um, some really big, like double A, triple A hitters who you can't make a mistake on. Um, so it was a big moment for him. And he wanted to sh like show, like you made the right choice by drafting me. And so he's pitching and he's just, just getting annihilated. Okay. They're just taking him yard. Like it's just, it's a struggle. So he gets pulled out just as soon as he gets put in. And after the game's over, he runs back to my office and he's just like, Lauren, like, I don't know what to do. Like that was like, I, I've never pitched like that before. And now granted a lot of guys that we get out of high school, they're the man in high school. They haven't experienced a ton of failure. So for some of them, their first experiences with like really like epic failure happens with us. And so that's what happened. And so he's like, I don't know what to do. He was like really upset. And I said, all right, well, let's talk about it. Like what happened? And he couldn't really tell me. Like he, he's like, honestly, I don't remember. I don't remember what happened out there. Like, it's like the game sped up on me. And I just, I kind of feel like I blacked out. And it wasn't a weird thing to hear that because 
you know, for his age, I didn't expect him to be really self-aware. All that told me it was that we're lacking self-awareness and that's something we needed to work on. So one of the things I know about self-awareness is that oftentimes we need to, we need to develop self-awareness outside of the action before we can create it within the action. So I was like, okay, at every outing, I want you to ask these, answer these three questions, very simple journal questions, but it'll help develop some self-awareness. It was what went well today? What can I do better next time? And what did I learn? That's it. We were going to find some really distinct patterns just if he did these questions. So he agrees. He's like, great, let's start there. So we're in the cafeteria that day and I am at the front of the line and he's all the way in the back and he yells so loud that everybody in the cafeteria like turns around and he goes, Hey Lauren. And I'm like, yes. And he's like, I did my journal exercises. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> cool. Like cool, man. And then he goes, ha, just kidding. And like the whole place kind of goes quiet. And I, just ignore it. I'm like, he's trying to be cool. He's trying to fit in, whatever. I go, I eat, and then I go back to my office and I text him and I said, hey, don't worry about the journaling. And he runs back to my office like two minutes later and was like, Lauren, why, do you, why, why don't you want me to do journaling? And I said, I don't think you understand. You're not in high school anymore. And what that means is that I'm not gonna hold your hand. I'm not your teacher. I'm not your mother. I'm not your friend. I'm your mental coach. And my job is to help you get better. Please realize I didn't say make you better. I said, help you get better. Whether or not you do your journal exercises doesn't help me sleep better at night. I go to bed the same and I wake up the same. Don't do your journal exercises unless you want to do them because they're there to help you. It doesn't make me better. And once you decide to take responsibility of your improvement, that's when they'll help. But until then, don't do them. And he was like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll do them for you. And I was like, no, no, no. See, you're still not getting it. Don't do it for me. It's not gonna help me. You're not gonna make me feel better. I'm not gonna be happier with you. It doesn't do anything for me. Do not do them unless it's for you. And he was like, okay. That night I got a photo of his journal and every outing after that. Wow. He became one of our most improved that year. And every year before spring training, even, even still he'll call me and be like, Lauren, what you got for me? He's a phenomenal young man, but he just, didn't realize. And so at the end of the conversation, I told him, I was like, welcome to pro ball. No one's here to make you better unless you do. And I think he's going to be an absolute, like, I think he's going to be phenomenal, but forcing somebody doesn't do anything, helping them realize they don't, here's the thing. I don't want anyone to have to rely on me to make themselves better. That does not, that does not make me a good mental coach. That makes me a crappy one. My goal is to equip people with the tools so they can make themselves the best. Sure. I'm there for guidance. Sure. I'm there to help, but if you don't do the work, 
I can tell you, I can give you tools all day long. If it don't, it's not going to help you. And so I think that for, you know, working at the Yankees, there is some degree of that where some guys don't see the value in it until double A, triple A. That's usually when you see guys really buy in, all, like go all in. And that's totally okay. The guys at the beginning are just as important. We're just planting seeds. And then the fun part is when it finally comes to fruition and every person is different. But there are definitely some challenges in that that are different than in the consulting world when people are coming to you ready to work. Yeah, you brought up so many valid points. And I love how the one question transferred down and the next question I was going to ask, can you tell me about somebody that has achieved greatness or changes? So thank you so much for that flowing. And throughout all of that, we could go through so many different awesome nuggets of information that you brought up listeners I would rewind and listen to that again that was that was gold and one thing though people need to be willing doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter who you're helping if they're not willing and they give little phrases like that gentleman did to you saying you know I'll do it for you no you're not doing it for me and being blunt as a coach as a financial coach lifestyle coach like I've been doing and like you've been doing for a long time it can sometimes, it hurts people, but sometimes you can't sugarcoat it anymore because they've been had their hand held through high school, through uh, amateur sports or just anything in life, not even necessarily somebody's sports. They've had, I look at people that are really high achievers in school, honor students, or they go through college and they're the top of the dean's list and they got and they get out into the reality of life and they just freeze because yeah. they've, they've always had things methodical or people always giving them false praise and really they haven't really accomplished anything and they and they live off that they feed off that they get into the harsh realities of life and it all comes crashing down because they haven't been taught how to you know they haven't been conditioned properly like you know what you're doing so it's it's amazing that you what we've you've shared with us today so thus far what you've gone through and how it's made you who you are today so that you can help a young man like that out so that he can rise above the noise. So it's impressive, right? Again, listeners, you need to be willing in order to have change and then find fabulous people like Lauren to help you pass your six inches that's blocking because it's nobody's fault. You can look at your past and blame everything in the past, or you can use your past as a stepping stone to launch yourselves into a change, right? But we, it's, sometimes it's not easy to do on our own. Our associations, who we communicate with, who we hang out with, sometimes it's the worst is our family. So we won't get into all the details of that because that's what I coach on is helping people get past their six inches and their awareness and barriers of their, of their origin and their past and how it's an actual strength. It's not a weakness. But once they realize and accept that you can't change the past, it is indicative of your future only if you allow it to be indicative in a negative way but it can be indicative in a positive way so i appreciate you sharing those uh sharing that process of what you went through so lauren you now train professional athletes military personnel business professionals is there a subtle difference in how one helps an athlete versus a business professional or are things that slow us down mentally the same no matter what we do they're pretty the same. <laughs> I think I, I like to talk about it like translating a book. The book and the principles in it, they're the same, but the language just changes. So instead of speaking about, you know, a pitcher on the mound, 
you know, in game seven of the World Series, we're talking about being in front of clients. We're talking about, you know, proposals. We're talking about just different things. Talking about strategies on the battlefield. You know, there's there's so many different, uh, you know, languages and, and ways that we use these principles. But many times, principles they stay very similar. So I think, and it's funny because I I had that misconception before I started working in the business world. I was like, man, I don't know if this will translate. It translates. Business people, they're just corporate athletes. It's the exact same thing. And so I think that's the fun part is because each and every one of us has the ability. You know, Eliud Kipchoge, he, um, he was the first man to break the two-hour marathon barrier. And he talked about mental fitness and he said, mental fitness is just as important as your physical. He said, you may be able to run a mile in 13 or in, in, in 12 minutes, but because you haven't ran it in your mind, you can only run it in 16 minutes, but you're capable. Your physical ability says you can run it in 12. He says, if you don't rule your mind, your mind will rule you. And so there's a lot of people out there that have the ability to run a 12 minute mile, 10 minute mile, eight minute mile, six minute mile, but they're only able to do it, you know, longer than that because they haven't trained their mental fitness to be able to reach and match their ability. And so that's what I do is I come in and I help develop that side of performance because we spend so much time on the skills and the goals and the outcomes, but have we ever trained ourselves to understand how we put ourselves in the best position by leveraging certain parts of our mind to improve performance? It doesn't guarantee wins, it doesn't guarantee successes, but when you understand how your brain actually operates in a performance setting, you can then use that as leverage to put yourself in a position to perform at your highest level, regardless of circumstance. Yeah, that's, that, that is true though. So, you know, listeners, it doesn't matter. I knew what the answer was, but I wanted you to hear it because uh, I knew Lauren would present it in such a way that I couldn't do. Right. And that's another thing. We all deliver information that's different, but is it different? A lot of times it's the same. It's just, we don't know how to present it properly. So I appreciate that response because really athlete or a business person, we all get stuck between our six inches. We don't have belief in ourselves. And the more we work on ourselves, the more positive energy we exude, whether we realize it or not. So that business person is going to close that deal because they become more confident because they're six inches and their belief in themselves. They've done the actions to work on themselves. The athletes, the same way they get a win at a game or they have a, a, a career day that they've never thought they could have before. Well, that business person could have that same thing. They're both, um, their six inches is both celebrating it and they're letting the world know it. And they're going to continue to attract more positive people, but they're going to have down days. They're still going to need people like Lauren in their lives or myself to help them level up. Never think that you've arrived is basically what I'm getting at. Right. You always a, have to work on yourself. Oh, so well said. So well said. And there's a great phrase that, um, uh, a friend of mine who recently actually passed, uh, Trevor Moad, he was really well known in the, um, in the sport and performance psychology world. And I first heard this from him, which was, you don't have to be sick to get better. And so I always, when people say, you know, 
know why, or, you know, when people ask me like why people come to you, I'm like, well, they're not, you know, when we were at the Yankees, you know, we were all working with people that were having the worst season of their lives, the best season of their lives and people in between. It didn't matter. You didn't have to be sick to get better. So when we showed up to a team, we weren't waiting for a team to be in a bad position to teach. We were teaching regardless. And so I think that's the important part. And to your point is that, you know, you're, you're never, you're never too good. You can always improve. There's always areas to improve. And there's, I mean, there's countless examples of people that they got some, they got some success and then they chilled and then they got passed up. And so it's one of those things where improvement is never ending. There's no finish line. It's not the goal. The goal isn't to finish the climb, but to master the one that you're on. I love that. It's comforting though. What you just, how you just put that it is, it is so comforting because at the end of the day, we attract people into our tribes or into our lives, whether they're clients or friends that are always wanting to level up. And it's comforting knowing that the people that I associate with are always going to, I know that they're human. They're going to continually work on themselves. They might have something, Hey, you know what? We just learned this, or I just read this and you know, this is why I think it would be great for you to listen to. And they're not necessarily trying to, to say you're broken. They just know that you're always thirsty for knowledge and you're always thirsty to want to be the better version of yourself. And you get to a point where I know myself, even before when I got up this morning, I'm laying in, in bed before I get up and I do specific gratitude exercises where I'm, I'm appreciative of waking up. I'm appreciative of the opportunity to you know, maybe I'm going to have a phenomenal day today, but if I'm going to have a phenomenal day, I better darn well start it out phenomenal. Right. And it's, it's some days I get up and it's not the greatest, you know, I'll, you know, stay away from me, give me my coffee. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you never, <laughs> but, and then I have other days. It's just, you know, it's nice to know that we're all on the climb together. And, you know, again, listeners, people watching, you're never alone unless you choose to be just decide to take that baby step off of the, off the start block, quit staying in the start position of life and knowing that you can take baby steps because there is people such as Lauren and myself that care about you, but we can't care about you unless you're the willing, right? You have to want it as much for yourself as others want it for you. And, you know, last thing I'll mention, check your associations, you know, make sure you are associating with the right things you are reading listening to watching on television, the people you're hanging out with and no, I don't want to hear about, I can't, I have to their family. You can learn specific things that I coach people and how to hang out with family in very limited doses and use the right wording so that you still have that connection, but they're not your boat anchor. They're not your anchor in life, which so many people use their past to their family as their anchor and even their present family. That doesn't have to be a reality, right? Oh, I don't know that's if you so agree with that. Yep. Yeah. So Lauren, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? Hmm. This is a really good question. You know, there was something, this is on my mind, so I'm going to share it. Um, Virgil Abloh, he, he was a designer who completely changed the luxury fashion industry. And he recently passed away, I believe on November 28th from a rare form of cancer. And there was a great quote by Mark Twain that said that there are two days that are most important in your life. 
Number one, the day that you were born. And number two, the day you learn why. Virgil, he lived his life with purpose. He believed that he could impact generations to come through the fashion industry. And so when I think about that, I know that every single one of us, every single person listening to this has a purpose in their life. And my question to you is, what is yours? Because he lived with ultimate purpose. And it's a good reminder for all of us. How will you be remembered? What is the legacy you want to leave? How do you want people to describe you? And ultimately, how does that purpose shape how you live your current life? Wow. I love that. You know, it's, it's so true. What is, what are you working on people when they talk about legacy? Cause I get that a lot in my industry for them. Legacy is always death. And I'll say to them, what about your living legacy? What do you mean living legacy? What are you doing today to lay up, lay a groundwork for those around you that are watching you? Are you the same person when the door is closed versus the door open? I'm not saying you're going to have hundred percent success all the time, but what are you presenting to the world? What is the legacy you're leaving behind? You don't want to pass away and say, oh, my legacy is all about money and money and materialistic things that I left my children or I left charity or society or whatever. What is your living legacy? So that you, for me, my living legacy is keeping myself in check so that I am always, you know, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm what I say I am. If I'm blunt, but truthfully blunt and compassionate and caring and an empathetic person, I'm always going to present that same thing. And if I have weak moments where I fall off of what, you know, I pre present myself as, then I'm humble. I, I understand my humble side and I can say, you know what, I'm sorry that happened yesterday. That's not normally like me, you know me, or if there's somebody that doesn't know me, I'll say that's not normally, I'd like a chance, you know, to correct and have an amendment of what I, what I presented myself. That's the toughest thing. I think when people, they, their egos, you can have good ego and bad ego. Too many have bad ego. They don't know how to check themselves and understand that their purpose in life is to, for me anyway, and like you mentioned, what's your legacy? What are you leaving behind? What's your purpose? And most people don't have a clue. Their purpose has been defined by their family, their friends, their coworkers, their, their significant others, and they really don't know what they stand for. And that's sometimes the hardest thing is to internalize and look at ourselves and go like, geez. I really don't like my career. I did that because mom and dad wanted me to do it. Oh, I really don't like this person. I married them because everybody else wanted me to. Yep. Right. Well, I think but the important part too is your purpose can change. It yeah. can change. It doesn't have to be the same. And there's nothing wrong with that though. Yep. Right. Having our purpose change is, a, is there's nothing wrong with it. My purpose, my goodness, I started out in electronics engineering and now I own a finance brokerage. I've wrote a book. I've got a podcast. I'm nowhere the same as what I was in electronics engineering from 30 years ago. I'm so far different and I didn't always realize it. It's only been in the last few years that I really realized the evolution of my change. It was because I was constantly doing things that other people thought I'd be good at or encouraged me to do. And I was so discombobulated in my thought process. I didn't understand what my purpose was. And I'm working on that the rest of my life. Wouldn't you agree that that's not something ever is going to stop? Yep. And that's a good thing because you and I are going to be um, more, more, uh, we're going to have a better life. 
we're going to be more happier, we're going to be more fulfilled. And we're going to be more satisfied than the person that doesn't understand that their purpose can change. And that's okay. You don't have to be mm-hmm. defined by the committee of they, right? The rest mm-hmm. of society telling you what you're able to accomplish or should accomplish. So this interview has been amazing. This conversation has been amazing. So our time is almost up. I want to respect our listeners and your time. However, before we can end, can you please tell the listeners what's the best way to reach you? Best way to reach me is actually through my website, which is laurenjohnsonandco.com. You spell out A-N-D-C-O.com. And because I, all my social media handles are slightly different because I have a very common name. So all of them are on there. And you can also reach out to me if you have an inquiry or want to work with me, you can reach out to me through my website. Okay. And I'll make sure listeners um, giveaheck.com forward slash podcast. You'll be able to read up on Lauren and check the show notes out. I'll make sure all your links, whether they're unique or different for social media, I'll make sure that they're in there so that people can easily access you and uh, yeah, see what, how you can help them level up their lives. And I always add this as a note, some people are nervous. If you're nervous about reaching out to Lauren, you resonate with her, reach out to me. I'll do a connection for you. I have no problems because sometimes you're at that journey in your life where you're just, you're, you're scared of putting yourself out and being vulnerable. So if you trust me, I'll help you on that next stage of your life and to re, you know, reach out and connect with Lauren, because I think that she could, you know, pretty much move mountains because look, you know, those listening to this whole episode, look what she's gone through and look where she's at. She's still leveling up and climbing. And that's the type of coach you want. That's the type of person you want in your corner. So thanks so much for being on Give a Heck, Lauren. I appreciate your time sharing some of your experiences so that others too can learn. It is never too late to Give a Heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website, giveaheck.com. And until next time, together let us all strive to give a heck.